for 45 minutes on even some of the sub parts of the topic. And so uh, what we're going to try to do is um, I'll make some introductory remarks about the program and myself, and, um, and then I'll introduce each of the other panelists, and they will share a few minutes. But we really want to leave some significant time for your questions. And so, um, again, it is a broad topic, and we're going to do the best we can with uh, covering it and, and really answer your questions. We're here to serve you as panelists and, and hope that you'll take uh, an item or two home that you didn't know about or, or have some enlightenment that you uh, will help you in the future. But first of all, just a few questions. Don't, I want to show of hands. How many of you are pharmacists? Hold your hands up, please. Oh, wow, hallelujah. I love you guys. Uh, that's great. Um, how many of you have been on mission trips? And, and how many of you worked in the pharmacy on mission trips? All right, so it's a well-experienced audience. That's, that's great. Um, and so we'll have lots of good questions, and, and uh, we'll probably learn uh, from, from you as well. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Bob Coulter. I'm a pharmacist. My wife and I have a community pharmacy in northeast Oregon. We've been there uh, 28 years. Um, actually have three, I guess you'd say, in our, in our little group. Um, God's blessed it, and it's allowed us to work with, uh, with medical teams over the last about eight or nine years. And I've led teams with GHO for uh, most of those that, those years. So we go to I go to Ecuador and the Dominican Republic and Nigeria, and about every second or third year to China um, with a team. Um, I've done it enough that I've made a lot of mistakes. So I'm happy to learn from those and share those uh, experiences with you. And there's there's a lot of different ways to run do a pharmacy on a medical team. Um, and you're going to figure out yours, and you obviously obviously have some experience having done it um, a few times in, in the past. Um, the few suggestions that I'm going to make, and, and I'm, I'm going to be very brief so that we can really get into uh, Harold and Bruce's comments, is that we need to start early. Last-minute preparations in the pharmacy, uh, as you well know because you've several of you have done it, um, it just doesn't work very well. I mean, I can get anything I need overnight from my wholesaler at my pharmacy, but, you know, the price is significant. So uh, last-minute preparations really don't, uh, don't work uh, very well. And we need to have, keep very good records uh, so that when we're, we're preparing for the next trip, especially the next year, um, we will uh, we'll have something to work from, not just the seat of our pants or our memory or if we, you know, call – uh, one of the people that was there with us. Um, do you remember how many Tylenol we used last year? You know, it's, that's not the way to do it, of course. So having good records is a uh, is really key. Having a written formulary for your doctors to work from, so they're not like my doctors at home that's just write whatever they want because the whole world is, of pharmaceuticals is at their disposal. You know, when we're in Ecuador, we have a, a very limited. So work with your team and communicate well with them with. Uh, you know, what, what drugs you have and, and even the quantities. If you're running low on something, you don't want to tell the docs that, you know, we're, we're about out of our proton pump inhibitor for your gastritis. So, you know, just use that for your, you know, your most severe cases maybe. Um, we use a lot of fair amount of, of non-prescription pharmaceuticals on the team. So having a good cheap source for those is important to source. Oftentimes you can reach out to your uh, team members' churches for things like vitamins and Tylenol and over-the-counter ibuprofen and those kind of things. So those are ways that people that are really encouraging us and supporting us as we go 
praying for us while we're gone, there's ways that they can participate with some of those um, some of those purchases and donations. Um, and one of my biggest and strongest recommendations is to, no matter where you go, likely you're going to come back or somebody else will come back and full that, fulfill that role of being the uh, pulling the medications together on a team, is to write next year's order on the last day of the trip. At the end of the trip, before I give out the bus ticket to go to the next location to come home, my pharmacist for those teams, I always ask them to write out the order so that next year when it's time to do this thing, uh, we're not scratching our heads and trying to figure out um, exactly what we should what we should order. Um, I've done it a lot of different ways. You know, we bought medications overseas, we brought them from home, we've got them donated, we purchased them, and so um, and there's a lot of ways to procure medications. Please, you know, you have to work with your local hosts and find out what the best and most cost-efficient way for working in your, uh, with your team, where, what it might be. So uh, working with your in-country partners is, is, also, is, is also very key. Remember that we go, and in most cases they are, they are uh, certainly Christian work, and so remember the main reason, you know, the gospel, of course, of sharing the love of Christ around the world is, should be, I think, one of the main reasons we go. How we do it is important. You know, they talk about preach the gospel wherever you go, but when necessary, use words. How we dispense, how we care for people, how we give out medications overseas is um, um, people watch us. We are the biggest show in town. I always tell my teams for the week that we're there. And so how they see us interact, how we interact with the community, how we interact with our patients is key, and we need to remember who our, uh, who our CEO is, of course. Those are some random comments. I will field your questions uh, at the end. I'm going to introduce now uh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Card has a, an outreach that you all should have a CD, and if you don't, there's hopefully enough here for you. Uh, Bruce will talk about what his ministry is. He's not a pharmacist, but we love him because he helps us get our medicines to go. There you go. Let me clip you up, buddy. Get these things out of my pocket. There's this. There you go. You just hang on to that or put it in your pocket, I guess. Okay, Bruce Carr. I'm happy to be here. This is my ninth conference. And I could tell you something from my own professional background that you don't want to hear. How many people want to hear a lecture about the causes of the American Civil War? I don't see any hands. I'm a retired high school social studies teacher. Uh, secondly, I will tell you my entire medical knowledge. You put this, at least I think I'm correct on this. If I'm wrong, you can correct me on it. You put, you put the sticky side down when applying a Band-Aid. Am I right or wrong? Beyond that, I'm out of my territory. Anyway, uh, what I have been able to do over the course of the last decade is put together something I call Helping Overseas Directory, and the subtitle, Ways That You, and I capitalize you, can make a difference in the developing world. And my goal is essentially two words. Christian networking. Now, maybe I could say just simply networking because some of these organizations 
are not Christian. I'm sure all of you know that there are organizations that provide pharmaceuticals and other medical supplies that are not Christian and do a good job of it. Um, I'm on the advisory board of a place in Detroit called World Medical Relief, and uh, I think uh, what they do is excellent. Uh, they are under the leadership of a man who is a member of a United Methodist Church, the lady who uh, runs their local programs. I know is certainly an evangelical Christian, but it's not per se a Christian group, and they don't qualify for tech membership. But what I have tried to do is bring together information. I've got uh, 200 and uh, almost 250 organizations, uh, over half of which are medical. Over two-thirds are specifically evangelical Christian. I've got 86 sources of free and inexpensive medical uh, supplies and technologies. And when you get home, you can put this in your uh, computer. Uh, I brought uh, 260 copies, 200 on CDs, and 60 in print. And I think, are there any more CDs left? They're all gone. So what's left is up here in print. If you would rather have the, uh, if you would rather have the print instead of the CD, just leave the CD on the table and take the print. Um, okay, you didn't want to hear my lecture about the cause of civil war, so we'll let that one be passed. And you know how much I know about medical knowledge, so uh, that's about all I have to say. Just use this. I hope you can find some benefit. Thank you. Well, before I get started, I just uh, let you know that uh, we have some brochures over here and some business cards for those of you who would like to, to have more information about blessings, and you can always contact us with us. Well, my name is Harold Harder. I'm the president and the founder of Blessings International. Bob asked how many pharmacists were here. I'm going to ask you how many pharmacologists are you here? Hey, we've got another pharmacologist. Pharmacologists are very rare. And what do pharmacologists do when they get involved in medical missions? Well, that's really the story of Blessings International. I'm really not going to go into our story because I don't have time and you guys want to talk. So let's just go on and I'll just tell you a little bit about what Blessings is. Blessings serves as a source of pharmaceuticals and over-the-counter medicines and vitamins for medical teams that are traveling abroad to serve the medical and spiritual needs of indigents in developing, in developing countries. That's 99% of what we do. But we also serve a number of U.S. clinics that, that serve the indigent population in the United States. And Blessings also has its own projects that we self-fund abroad. And without that, I couldn't do what I'm doing. This is where my heart's at. I'm, I can't help it. It's my heart throb. That's what got us started. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Blessings warehouses medicines to facilitate fulfilling the majority of the needs 
needed by medical teams. Without having a warehouse and without stocking the pharmaceuticals, you're not going to have what you're needed. You know, manufacturers, even in the United States, don't carry stock anymore. They only produce for demand. So who's going to have the product? It's going to be wholesalers. We serve as a pharmaceutical wholesaler, but not just U.S. products, but we also have imports for exports. Blessings is pleased to be able to offer many medicines that are not available anywhere else in the United States, and I'm going to talk about some of those in a very short period of time. Blessings has a service focus to meet the need of medical teams so that they will have adequate supplies for the shipments. We offer a complete choice. We give complete choice of what you want and the quantities you want. We have a focus on service. In fact, we have a lot of teams call us back and say they really appreciate how we answer their questions. We are available for help. And I provide a lot of direct assistance. I do a lot of consulting. I should say physicians consult with me with very difficult questions like, and please don't ask me this question, what should I use or prescribe for a pregnant woman for malaria prophylaxis? That is a very difficult question. There are answers. I won't write about it, but I will discuss it. But frequently what I do is I work back and forth with the physician who's calling me. We discuss problems with the choices and then come up with solutions. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor and a trust. And I do this with, with fear and trembling because, you know, this is on me as well as on the physician. But this is the sort of service that we offer later. Okay. First thing you have to have with a medical team, you have to have a description of the number of medical professionals, the physicians, the physician's assistants, the nurse practitioners, nurses, and pharmacists. You need to have an idea of the size of your medical team before you can do anything else. Then you have to make decisions about what you're going to treat and what you're not going to treat. And you've got to know whether there's going to be patient follow-up or not. If there's not going to be patient follow-up, you may not want to go into serious treatment of hypertension and diabetes. That's really critical. And your medical professionals need to make that decision. Next thing, you need to estimate the number of patients that are going to be examined with or without triage. Uh, triage plays an important role because if you have triage, every medical group, is you've got to have two groups. One group that's going to need to see the medical practitioner for treatment. The second group is the bless me group. And simple things that nurses can handle. Also, the nurses can play pharmacists if you don't have one. I say, you know, you want to estimate the number of patients you're going to have today to treat per day. And I have a caution there because, you know, usually the first day of a team is very light. The people don't believe that you're going to be there and that you're going to be giving them medicines. The second day, there's always a crunch. That's always your heaviest day. That's my experience. But in trying to estimate numbers, you've got to be very careful because something happened on my first mission trip. I'm going to share this story. The, the director of a, a Bible school, this happened in Guatemala, came in and said, Harold, please go ask Dr. John to stop praying for patients because we've got all these Guatemalan seminary students or Bible school students who are ready to, to pray for them after they come through. So I go into Dr. John's. He's an osteopathic physician. He's got this this very elderly woman on his treatment table, and he, he speaks before I have a chance to talk to him. He says, this one's got terrible back pain. And he says, look, Harold, he pulls her legs straight up, and one leg is six inches shorter than the other leg. She says, let's pray for this patient. So 
We pray. And this leg grows out six inches. You can't be in such a business of being worried about numbers that we don't take time. And the physicians have a very special opportunity with patients that nobody else gets. And it's crucial if the Holy Spirit moves upon them. And so when I leave to go back to talk to this um, missionary who told me, ask John to stop praying, you know, what am I going to tell him? I said, you know, if you want Dr. John to stop praying, you tell him because I think God has spoken. So always take time. Don't get so ahead of yourself in terms of numbers that you don't take time for that. Okay. Now, when it comes to pharmaceuticals, uh, you've got to have a, develop a formulary. And typically, look at the size of the print. You know, for teams that are not going to be working with an established clinic, and particularly in a rural setting, these are the group categories and the quantities that you approximately are going to need. Analgesics, vitamins, and antibiotics. The second group is topicals, lots of topicals. Antiparasitics, and this is the one chronic one that I'll put in this category, GI, gastric reflux. And then medicines for chronic diseases and the others shown there. You need a lot less. And in my consulting, you know, with, with people, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go on. Then teams need to develop a budget for how much they're going to take. Um, Blessings frequently gets requests from physicians say, help me, I don't know how to do this. So I ask them what their budget is and number of clinic days and these other questions I've just asked you. I'm, I'm going through the process that I verbally talk over with physicians. And so sometimes he'll ask me, please do it for us. And here I am, you know, once again, fear and trembling. This is not my money. This is the Lord's money. So I do it very carefully. Well, we always get calls back saying it was perfectly just exactly what we needed. But this is the type of service that we provide. Now I'm going to talk about some unique things. Choosing effective medicines wisely with weight consideration and bulk considerations in mind. I call this pharmacoeconomics, which is a rather unique term. Blessings International, as I said, is privileged to be able to supply a number of medicines that are not generally available anywhere else in the United States. Um, and I'm going to talk about azithromycin. Now, actually, these are bottles that are actually bigger than we may use. But a bottle this size, you can get 250 azithromycin tablets. Okay, azithromycin is two bits of tablet. That means a full course of therapy, U.S. full course of therapy, six tablets, a buck and a half. If you look at old erythromycin, Indian prices is $6. So this is a no-brainer. In the first place, you can put this in the pocket. All of these new expensive medicines you can put in your carry-on, which will go through the x-ray machines when you get into the country. And so you don't have the weight problems either. You don't have weight, bulk, and this will go on, and it costs less. Here's your, This is first-class world treatment at a rock-bottom cost. And this is what we do with purchased pharmaceuticals. Let's see what's the next one. Ivermectin. I won't tell you the story how we happened to get into this, but actually somebody requested we do a production run for them, and I refused to do it initially because I said, what am I going to do all the extra, the remaining of the production run that, you know, waited a whole year and we had only no other requests. So she said, when I asked her, what are we going to do with all the unused Ivermectin? She says, that's the problem, yeah. I said, that's the problem. She says, oh, did you know it's the new and the only oral therapy for scabies, 
I got interested real quick. So now, once again, here you have something, 20 cents a tablet, full course of therapy for 50, for 60 kilogram persons, two tablets. Hey, you know, 40 cents. Well, 5% permethrin cream, it used to be $7. The price has gone out of sight. Okay, one tube versus one bottle for 50 adults, you know, 100 children. This is pharmacoeconomics therapy. Now, let me back up just a little bit. 5% permethrin cream is more effective than this. this is, that's 95 This is 80%. But then we have another, a new pharmacology term called efficaciousness, which is the product of effectivity times compliance. Now, a lot of the topics are a real issue with the compliance. So with this one, if it doesn't work the first time around, you repeat the dose, and either two to four weeks later, and bingo, you're home free. It's still a fraction of the cost of the other one. So anyway. Let's go on to another example. Fuclanosol. Okay, third bottle. You know, this is much bigger than a 100-tablet bottle of fluconazole. Instead of buying it and carded one tablet at $4 a dozen tablets, you know, you get a bottle for $25. You give it to the woman with a glass of water. Forget it. You're done with it. This is a no-brainer. And now one final one, tenidazole. How many of you know what tenidazole is? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you understand how it's used? It's, it's a drug. The, it's the same efficaciousness as metronidazole, but it's the big difference in glycides with azithromycin. It's got a much longer plasma half-life. So when you start taking tenidazole, it actually accumulates in plasma. So you can get a total 7 to 10 day course of metronidazole equivalent in tenidazole in three days. Well, you don't have any toxic side effects or bad taste in your mouth until about the third or fourth day. So by the time the patient is about to begin to have toxics with Tenidazole, the full dose is on all, all in advance. Now, costs more per tablet, but less per course of treatment. And so you've got to think not in cost per tablets, but cost per treatment. That's pharmacoeconomics. Almost done. Blessings also supplies three, to f- three by four inch Ziploc bags that have little labels with sunrise high noon sunset and the moon, so that you can easily put down there when they're supposed to put their tablets, when they're supposed to take their tablets, put their name and what the drug and the dose is. Um, Blessings also supplies syringes, uh, rapid assay tests, urine dipsticks. We don't have scales, um, but we do have sutures and things like that. And finally, time is of essence. We take typically on the order of three weeks for a small order, up to two months for a real large order, so we can send 95% or more of what you order. So, and with that, Q&A, yes. Do you uh, have brown bags to the spouse? I'm sorry? Do you have brown plastic bags? I, we why, can, is it correct that vitamins lose their uh, potency with light? Yeah, well, you know, you're thinking U.S., okay? And you're thinking that's going to sit out there all the time. But, you know, with Ziploc bags, it's not going to sit in the sun. We can get them, but they're very expensive. We can get them, but I don't think they're really needed. What would you say, Bob? Yeah, I think the short years, it's usually a 30-day supply that we give out typically. I don't know what your experience is. And so a month, they're not going to deteriorate significantly in, in those 30 days. 
We do want to open up for questions. This is very your time. We've got about 20 minutes, and we've talked as fast and as hit the salient points as we could. So this is your time. What gender? Go ahead. i got a lady back here. She had her hand up, sir. Um, what happens to antibiotics? I don't know if we've ever measured the bioavailability. Does this work? Can you hear me in the back? No. You guys okay? Okay, I'm going to speak up. Go right ahead. There you go. Yeah, I'm going to pass it around. Pass it around. So the question was about antibiotic suspensions and are they still potent? They're going to lose their potency. <coughs> Is it still going to be effective? We, you know, we believe so. We pray that they will. Obviously, we ask people if they have refrigeration to keep the ones that need to be refrigerated in a refrigerator. There is a simple, helpful note. Tell them to put it on the floor, the coolest spot in their hut. Okay. Keep it low. You know, um, we have the azithromycin oral suspension, which is made up daily, and three days will do you. So there's another answer. Okay. And it doesn't have to be refrigerated. Right. You, have, you have a question here. Yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, routine uh, procedures would you recommend for increasing your chances of getting uh, supplies through customs? <laughs> Let me try to answer that. Where are you shipping to? Ecuador. Well, what we do is with our IFE medicines, we have dual sets of certificates of, of analysis. What we do is we send pro forma invoices to the ministry in the country. They submit that that has the expiration dates and lot numbers to customs for preclearance. We won't ship until they say, yes, you've pre-cleared this. Now, we've done this twice to Pakistan. And the second time around, it cleared in 24 hours. Now, that's a very difficult country. But this is the way you do it if you're having issues, is you have to, sometimes you're going to need customs broker help to know how to do this. But otherwise, you know, it takes somebody that knows how to get things done. And it takes relationships in the country. Relationships. Right. Teams to Ecuador every January, um, and we have a letter from that our host gets from the Ministry of Health yeah. that, it, that you know affirms our authenticity. We're not coming to sell them; we're coming right. to give them away. And so, having a letter that then the customs official reads, so you always get that at the front of the line, and, and right. take your team through customs together. He reads the letter, and generally they still scan everything, but it's a matter of just waving you, waving you on through. Good yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, question back over here. Yes. So the two questions are, first, and I'll answer the first one, Harold will give you the second, and you can answer. Yeah. Um, the first one had to do with uh, patient safety, child safety, and the use of Ziploc bag versus child-resistant packs. I think it's a matter of, of practicality and, and affordability, obviously. Um, pretty difficult to pack. Um, let's see, it was in Nigeria, and we saw 5,000 patients, and each one got about five meds, so it was no way to get the vials there. So... Practically, it's really not um, very feasible. 
And our prayer, and, and actually you raise a good question, we probably should instruct mom to keep these up out of the reach of children in, you know, in the home or keep them secure. And, and oftentimes they are. I see the ladies walking away with them rolled up in their clothing. And so that's uh, how they protect their families, at least initially. So um, we have to be careful. We, need, we should be sensitive to the fact that these things aren't going are to uh, potentially harm children. And so keeping them out of their reach would be, should be part of our all of our protocol as we, as we uh, practice out in the field. Second question had to do with Blessing International and working with the uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers. And what are you doing to keep the cost down? Was that part of the question? Right. And to work with them. Do you work with pharma at all? <laughs> well, you know, the pharmaceutical manufacturers in this country are, are we, all of our medicines are purchased, okay? Um, and we, on occasion, we do direct bulk purchases. Um, other than that, we do not do the bulk purchases, and, and we, uh, we do contract purchases. Um, you have to understand that manufacturers in the United States produce for demand only. Now, that's the way it is the world around now. So, you know, it's, you're not going to be able to dicker with them on something they don't have in stock. They, 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 the, you know, the story, I, I guess I didn't tell the whole story. You know, when you, when you want something and they don't have it because they don't stock it, then you've got to wait for a production run, or you have to order a production run. That's the challenge. And when you're ordering a production run, you're talking about big bucks. Good, good questions. Others? Yes, way in the back. of samples and whether we can take them overseas. I don't. I think it maybe more was an organization policy that changed that. I, I would uh, probably go to the source of the decision. Um, the problem, though, with uh, with samples from pharmaceutical companies in this country is that generally the samples are for are new items, combination products, and you pharmacists in the room know there's not a whole lot of new stuff out there. And if it uh, if there is. Um, in most cases, it doesn't belong in a developing country. So um, with the exception of gastritis, where we can always, it's at one of the three or four, top three or four conditions I've seen everywhere we go, um, there probably isn't a lot of use for anything except the purple pill. We all yeah. know what that <laughs> that's, that's my next one. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I want to ask if you use outdated medications. Well, no. <laughs> is the short answer, and that's the right answer. Um, you know, research that I've seen is pretty clear that really the potency is, as many of you probably agree, that um, potency is probably there if it's under appropriate storage conditions for some time beyond the date, but uh, legally and appropriately, no, we can't take expired mitts with us. The customs people frown on it. WHO has 
horrified by it, and you know we just can't do it. And the problem with the WHO is they don't even they don't want things that are less than one year. Yeah. And that's one of the things that drove us into purchase medicines. Keith. is do we prepackage medicines here or do it in the country? I already feel like there's some bonding occurs when you sit a physician down with a nursing student and a pharmacy student and they count pills for the first half of the day while the rest of the clinic's getting set up. But um, I personally don't. I know that some uh, do. There are labels available on the Christian Pharmacist website that kind of give the directions in I think English and Spanish. Is that right? Uh, that you can get, you can preload, so like and print off on Avery labels, uh, take one tablet three times a day or four times a day or those things. So if you want to do some of that ahead of time, that's available. Um, it gets pretty bulky. I mean, when you put them in these little baggies and you put those in a bag and you put those in another bag to get them in the country, uh, the volume becomes um, kind of exponential as opposed to in the manufacturer's uh, stock bottles. And it is uh, against FDA regulations to do that. Um, so it is in violation of FDA to repackage without getting um, approval. So technically you can't do it. A lot of people do it, and the FDA is not going around and inspecting. But uh, there, are, there actually is. I talked to someone earlier today that they're trying to get FDA approval for repackaging, uh, that type of thing. And, and the Ziploc bags that they will put them into are actually sealed and they're perforated when you tear the seal off. So it's proof that it hasn't been tampered with. But with a Ziploc bag, there's no proof that it hasn't been tampered with. So it's not a tamper-proof container and it is an FDA violation to repackage medications without getting approval. So technically you can. Uh, it happens a lot. Uh, but you know, the, the I just want to interject. We used to Prepackaged in the states, we haven't done this uh, in over five or six years. The issues with customs are huge. The packaging issue is much easier. Uh, when they open it up, they see they're, they're in original pharmacy bottles. You present a list then that has all the lot numbers and expiration dates. They check one and through, and you're through. And it saves huge issues with customs. And if you go with the suggestion, then you're going to have to get a, 
a special prepackaging license, and I don't think you want to do that, which is what we have. One of the things that takes a lot of time is just the labeling of these the baggies that Harold talked about. And so uh, if you want to have people at home that aren't going to go, that want to help get you on the road and save some time to get there, yep. you can... You know what your formulary is. Yep. You can label the bag, pre-label the bags with azithromycin or vitamins or acetaminophen and the strength and, and even the directions if you want to take a shot at that. So um, so you can do some work ahead of time that might save some time with limited staff. It's a good question. Yeah, I saw a hand over here, I think. This is your time, folks. It's God's time. Use it wisely. Regarding chronic disease, if you're going to treat that, diabetes, hypertension, whatever, um, is, what's the most reliable way of finding the in-country formulary so you're not bringing medications that have to be switched after that 30 days or, or abandoned? Uh, you really need to do some research in the locale. It's not just it's not just what's available. It's also access. They need to have access to medical professionals going to check their blood pressure or a nurse or somebody who's got a glucometer is going to check their, their um, blood glucose and also availability. Now, many teams will actually work with a local physician and, and maybe do a contract with him to take care of follow-ups. You know, this is one way of doing it. But, you know, for these chronic diseases that really demand uh, following the patient, um, there are ways to do it, and that's the way to do it. And you can always ask them, well, what's available? What medicine is available in the country? In that case, that's what the patient should be started out on. And working with your local hosts, I mean, they kind of know what the resources are available. It, in some places, it's an ongoing health um, care organization. Sometimes it's not. But, but again, they, can, they know the territory. They know the turf. And so knowing what is available, going to visit the pharmacy and uh, in the community and seeing what they have and how much the medications might be would educate also your physicians on, on what to use. And that could be done again by your local host before you ever show up. So there's no reason to bring a tenolol if that's a high-priced drug in Ecuador, for example. A follow-up question. Um, is there a good way of doing bulk purchasing that you're going to buy in the country that you're going to? Well, Bruce's resource has got 200-some different suppliers, not all not pharmaceuticals, but he's got several. Blessings International, of course, is another source for, you know, cost plus kind of purchasing. So those are two, two uh, resources. And so make sure you get one of the CDs. Yeah. I just wanted to say that I dug in another bag and I found some more CDs in my directory. So if you didn't get one, fine. Or if you know somebody else that needs one, that's fine. And... Um, I might also add that I've got some kinds of things outside of pharmaceuticals that could be of interest. For example, um, there's a lady in Providence, Rhode Island, who sent me an email a few months back asking to be included. And her concern is about the large numbers of babies and mothers who die in childbirth, still die in childbirth in developing countries. So I checked out her website, Maternova. And I was very impressed with what they're doing, so I put them in. And then uh, there was a link on there to something else that I found quite fascinating. <coughs> now, raise your hand if you do not have a cell phone. Everybody has a cell phone? Okay. All right. Now, does anybody have a microscope attached to your cell phone? Nobody? All right. There's a guy in California who's come up with something he calls cell phone. 
C-E-L-L-O-P-H-O-N-T, which he expects to have on the market next year, and it would uh, essentially take your cell phone and uh, turn it into a way that it will serve as a microscope and analyze blood, saliva, and urine, urine sample. Now, the question next is, how much would that cost? <laughs> well, this is what we've got here. A $10 bill. And uh, like I say, that's an example of something that's in my directory on the medical supplies. So you look through, you might hopefully find a few interesting things. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Other questions? Yes. Have you had any problems with allergic reactions? I assume a lot of these people haven't had a lot of medical care, so they don't know what they're allergic to. Hasn't been. I think it's wise, and I carry a uh, emergency kit that's got some Benadryl and epinephrine and a syringe and stuff. I have a couple of those that I, I vacuum seal and put them in a in a you know vacuum. What do you call those? Vacuum seal, I guess, and put a couple of kits and seal them so they're and label what they are and how to use them. Those kind of things. It's reasonable precaution. That's and it's very cheap to put that together. Yes. I know there are certain parts of the world where you have a problem with counterfeit medication. So how do we know for certain that the drugs that we're getting in country are okay? Yeah, the question is about uh, how do we know that we're not buying counterfeit drugs in country? Well, I go to Nigeria. And uh, anybody got a fax from Nigeria here lately? <laughs> we, uh, we actually were laughing on the plane way over. We, we should have thought, you know, if we're going to be in Abuja, the capital city, we should say, I'll meet you Saturday night at 10 o'clock at the airport. Bring the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. I think, you know, I guess my answer here will help me here, but I think look, working with your local people, you have to trust the folks in country. Uh, you know, just calling up and finding a pharmaceutical vendor over the Internet to find somebody in country. So you have to know somebody that knows the community of the, and the marketplace and, you know, who's trustworthy and, and who's not. So Usually a hospital pharmacist is going to know the dependable sources. But let me share with you the problem with uh, on-site sources, they might have a, a wonderful list, but then you put your order in and they'll deliver 20%. And this is, that's the fact of the matter, that they have a wonderful list in, 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 in the best of all possible worlds that have it. But, well, you know, their forex is short, so they haven't got enough to buy it. Or the customs has held it up. So, you know, that's, I mean, we have actually experienced that ourselves. And, Guatemala, Costa Rica, a couple of times. I mean, I personally experienced that. So that's the reason why, you know, you do it at your own risk. Particularly, if you're going to do that, be sure you have it at least two months before the team comes. Okay. What, about, what about the medical supply in Netherlands? Name of which escapes me. Yeah, well, you're talking about IDA. Right. What about them? Well, what's your opinion? <laughs> well, they're very good, and they do with the same thing we do, and we carry some of their products as well. Um, you know, basically they reassay everything like we do, so we have similar standards. Uh, we don't accept the manufacturer's assay. We pay to have an independent laboratory reassay every single lot of our import for export medicines. So we know that our products are what you call ethical. They have in it what the label says, and the dissolution rate is, is within the standard limits. So, um, yeah, that answers the question. 
Okay. So then, yeah, one more question, and then the answer to timeliness. I'm gonna let, we'll stick around for, for uh, do follow-up questions, but sir, go ahead. How do you manage informing patients of adverse effects? How do we uh, inform the patients of adverse effects? In our counseling, uh, when we're giving out the medications, we explain the most common ones uh, that people would expect to see. Obviously, the list is extensive in some things, uh, but for the most part, we try to use a relatively safe medications, one, two, with minimal the ones that have minimal side effects and uh, dosages that are um, appropriate to minimize those. But we just try to communicate like we do here in the States, what's the most common uh, side effects to be um, that might be seen. I want to thank you all for coming. I appreciate the turnout. You never know when you hold a parade like this how many people are going to show up. We'll be here to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Can you take over-the-counter stuff out of the packaging? You know, like antibacterial cream or you mean where? out of the boxes to pack, to take. You want, you want to pre-pack before you, you leave the country? Just, you know, like if this was a bottle of Tylenol, yeah. it comes in a box. Yeah. Is it okay to take it out of the box and just take the bottle? Or you, should you leave it in the boxes? Are you talking about, you know, four packs? Yeah, or just a single bottle. But when we go, like I go to Guatemala, and it's easier to pack a bottle than it is the bottle in the box because the box takes up a little bit more room. And even fill fill and pack or, or bubble pack? Yeah. Well, all I can say is, you know, you got the same problems with those. As, you know, it's, it's a packaging issue.